Welcome to Mahita Mother Podcast. This is episode four of my series where I chat with inspirational people. And I thought this week that I would invite Fiona Parker, who is the owner and director of Ashtanga Yoga Space in Sydney. I've written before on the blog about how much I enjoy yoga and how much I, I feel it's beneficial for your health and mind. And I've been struggling a little bit trying to find time to do it. So I thought Fiona would be the perfect person to share her wisdom on yoga and what she does, how she got started, and some tips for helping us fit it into our lives as well. So welcome, Fiona. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Kaz. It's it's wonderful to be here. And hello to everybody. Fiona, we might just start, if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey into yoga. Sure. So I've been practicing Ashtanga Yoga for about 20 years. I started it when I was about 19. I actually did another type of yoga. I did a more of a hatha and more of a gentle Iyengar-based practice and introduced by a, a very close friend of mine, my boyfriend's mum at the time. And I was always just so impressed by how she juggled the, the pressures, I suppose, of having two children and maintaining her own sense of self and a fantastic relationship with her husband. And so I was inspired to go and do some of the classes that she uh, participated in. And from that first class, I just got really excited about the whole movement of, uh, of yoga and also the ability to quieten. I've got a really busy and active mind mm. and yeah, lots and lots of things going on all the time. And it was probably one of the first experiences that I had ever had at that point where I just felt really just quite peaceful and relaxed with myself. So that's kind of what, what started the little spark inside of me. And then uh, I was then introduced to further to the practice of Ashtanga Yoga, which is a more dynamic type of, um, of yogic practice. Uh, a little bit later, not that much when I was probably in my very early 20s. And I, it just felt like the right thing for me, a little voice inside of me spoke and felt that that, sort of connected with what was going to be really important to my life Mm -hmm. and um, so teaching and and learning more about it was really just an extension of of feeling that the practice was was meant for me how did you you took a trip to India yes um, and so how did that help you then move further into yoga well, I, I actually, first of all, took a trip up to Byron Bay, and that was that was really um, a different experience from I grew up on the north side and, and I, I suppose had more of a conservative kind of upbringing. And then I travelled up to Byron and just had a, a fantastic time up there and was inspired when I came back uh, and opened my mind and my heart to the possibility of travelling. Mm. And India really spoke to me that that's the home or the city uh, of where the practice is, the home base around the world. And so I knew that I wanted to connect with it more. I just wanted to kind of find out a little bit more. I felt called to go over there. So I gave up a job and uh, the relationship that I spoke about before. I was in that for seven years and we um, parted very well as I was just following a new chapter to, to get over to India. And, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I mean, India back in those days, my first trip was, I think, in about 97, something around there. 
very different. You know, we had um, the city that it, or the uh, the suburb where it was practiced, Lakshmipuram, the little um, place in Mysore. We only had electricity for a couple of hours each day. It kept kind of turning on and off, and um, and so we'd have to uh, we'd have to get like a, a little element to to put in to the wall when we knew the power was going to switch on, and that was how we heated up our water to have showers and to wash our clothes and to all, do all that kind of stuff. So it was a real, it was just a really amazing experience. It kind of blew your senses away and it really was just a, a you know, a whole different, a completely life-changing experience from how I'd grown up. Wow. So it, it was, it was just the most wonderful experience. So you met someone there? Sorry, I'm kind of rambling, aren't I? No, no, I love hearing stories <laughs> like this because it takes me down memory line. It's fabulous. My teacher, uh, one of my teachers in Sydney recommended that, that I um, go over to, to India to meet Patabi Joyce and he was the um, the father, I suppose, of, of how the practice of, of Ashtanga has uh, been widely spread throughout the Western world now. So I met him, and that was really um, probably the, the most one of the most important kind of connections of deepening my practice and my association with it. And it was from then that I was really inspired to learn how to do more and to, to find out how to teach. And I went on a bit of a travel time after India. I spent a lot of months there and I returned. I went up to Dharamsala to, to um, see the Dalai Lama. Wow. Again, an, an amazing experience, just the most, the most amazing um, amazing person. Wow, so you met him in... I did. I had the, the, such the, the, um, the fortuitous um, possibility of, of meeting him. Mm-hmm. I was one of many. It wasn't as though it was anything um, personal. It was, it was just a group uh, blessing. And um, but it was wonderful. He he's he's very um, he's not that tall in stature, yeah. and I'm not that tall either. But we kept he kept bowing as though it was uh, necessary for him to, to uh, almost um, be lower than me. And I just was mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the fact that His Holiness would even think that that would be the right thing to do. So anyway, I was touched by that profoundly and came back and and then went on various different travels throughout. America and through Europe to connect with someone that I could learn to teach with and I found that person and I ended up back in Australia after quite a number of probably around a year and um, and then went on a path of, of apprenticing to her to, to learn this practice in more depth to teach it. Wow, what an inspiring story and you obviously had so much training so you'd be very good at what you do now. Well, I've done, I mean, I've been practicing for 20 years and I've been teaching for over 10, but it's almost, it really is that thing, it's so humbling, the more you, you know, the less you know, it's, it's such a, it's an ocean yoga, it's, yoga is a state of being as well as a practice, so the practice is the one that I am working more to understand and to develop in my teaching and, and, um, and my own work, and yeah, I think you, you're just learning every day is a new experience. The practice side of things then is the actual positions and things you do within a class? Yes. So that's the method, I I suppose you'd say. So the Ashtanga method is a combination of what we call asanas or or postures, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're connected in a flow. It's called vinyasa. So it's a fluid practice. It's one that's moving, and it combines breath is probably, I suppose, one of the most important elements, that the breath leads the movement. 
And another great thing, particularly for all of us mums, crazy sort of stressed out mums, is there's a practice called drishti, which is a focusing of your gaze, bringing it sort of inside yourself into the possibility of uh, uniting your mind and your breath with the movements. So that's the practice. That's the technique. And the state of being side of things, how can yoga contribute to that and, and what is it that you're aiming for? Gosh, it's, it's, I think a yoga state of being is just a peaceful existence. You can take it as far as you know something to be much more, um, uh, I suppose, an enlightened possibility. But as a, as a kind of a lay person and as a mum with three kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the state of being that I aspire to is the one where I'm truly present. Um, I'm as available for my, my children. I'm as centred in myself and my soul. And I'm just, I suppose, at ease with my body and my life. And the, the yoga has helped contribute that to, to finding that for you? Okay, so much. You know, it's, I, I'm, always, um, I'm always stunned when people say, gosh, you know, you seem really relaxed and, and whatever, and I just feel like I'm, I'm just as crazy running around as everybody, you know, with drop-offs and pickups and all that kind of stuff. But I think what it allows me is it's a little bit of time out and it keeps my body healthy. Mm. And I find that, you know, it, that's so important to just have enough energy to get through each day. I get up at about 4 o'clock or sometimes 5 o'clock in the morning and sometimes I haven't slept at all because the kids are up or things are going on. And um, I think yoga gives you a lot of energy. It's, it's, wow. It gives you, it says it, it um, builds up what's called prana, which is life force, life energy. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of see that sparkle in, in people. It's, I think it's that which is really, really important, particularly for me. I think every stage of your life is different. And at the moment, my yoga and my practice is, is to keep me as, as healthy and as fit for my own sense of self so I can keep on top of myself and um, so I can keep up with my kids and, and my life and my business and all the juggles. So you think for busy mums out there who are juggling, and you're obviously doing that as well, that it is really quite essential that they find some time during the day to do some yoga, and, and if so, what would be the optimal amount of time? I think it's whatever they've got. Like, I don't want to preach to anyone. I do what I do, and I'm very lucky because I have a yoga school. So it kind of gives me this this um, excuse, I suppose, to get to practice every day, which is what I love. Um, but it's whatever people, I suppose, have the ability to carve out for them, almost like making an appointment with yourself because your diary just gets filled. Everyone takes that little bit and and it's it's that quandary, isn't it, of being a mum of just how much can you give yourself and therefore then, you know, how guilty do you feel about taking that? I think without the ability that you just give yourself something back, whatever it is, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, something each day, that it does give you a bit more energy so you can keep more on top. I just recommend whatever people have got, whatever time people have got, even if it's just a bit of breathing and moving. Mm-hmm. If you can get your mat out and do a couple of sun salutes mm-hmm. and then everything else is a bonus. That's a really good tip and helpful for women who want to do this but feel they can't just find the time. And I think women or every person needs to understand that the greatest asset you have is yourself. So you really need to schedule in that time. You do, and you help. I mean, it is, it's so priceless, isn't it? You don't mm. – I think when we're sort of younger, we don't put a value on our health because it's a – it's 
it's a given. given yeah. Unless we don't, you know, if we've got sort of disability, if we've got illness, if we've got things that actually bring to the greater appreciation of, of what we can do. And I think that's when I teach. Uh, it, you don't have to be in prime fitness to do yoga. You definitely don't have to be flexible. I think it's really important that understanding that if you can breathe and you can move, even if it's in a chair, that you can practice yoga. Mm, that's great. That's very helpful. And do you think, I was actually thinking this when I was going for a jog yesterday afternoon, do you combine yoga with other forms of exercise or is yoga enough? It depends what you practice. My practice, Ashwanya Yoga, is quite dynamic. It's not always because I'm not always feeling dynamic. Yeah. Combines a specific breath that is that heats up the body. It's called Ujjayi Pranayama, and it means victorious breath, but it's a heating breath. So with that, it tends to kind of give you this sort of fuel, and then as you move, it does heat you up. It, it turns it into a bit of a workout. As you practice more consistently, your heart rate actually starts to slow down a little bit and your fitness maintains. Mm -hmm. So you can keep yourself really fit, you know, tone up your body, get a good workout by practicing Ashtanga Yoga, but you can also do it just to quieten your mind and just to have a little bit of um, a bit of time out and relaxation as well. I don't do a lot of other stuff because I just don't have time. Right, yeah. there, was there was a period when, you know, I, I, love, I love to move. I love to swim, and um, years ago I, I would I'd get into anything that that would possibly move me. I walked a lot. I did a lot of running and jogging in the in the kind of nineties, early nineties. I, I got into a, a bit of a gym phase, but I tend to find these days getting out my mat and taking that time for myself is probably the only time I get. And um, so I take it to try to do everything I can within that, make it really efficient. Yeah, it does sound like it is an efficient form of exercise because it does tackle okay. your health, your fitness, and your sense of well-being. Yeah, and it's meant to do that. I mean, that's the benefit. You need to look at the, it in a holistic way that it is an exercise, and you can definitely do it to focus on that first. And that's quite worthwhile that you just get up a bit of a challenge and a bit of a sweat going. And then as you combine the postures and they get potentially a little easier because they're hard at first, mm. it's hard to kind of find those positions. Uh, and as they do get a little bit easier, then it can turn into more of a meditative, relaxational-based practice as well. So do you do meditation on the side or you just get it all straight from yoga? I try to get it all. I do. The big quandary in my life is to how much could I and, and should I have time for meditation and I feel within me that it would be good if I could create and carve a few more moments out just to sit in stillness because I tend to find that I just race and race around. I think meditation and yoga practice, it, it, yoga uh, in terms of asana practice is one of the limbs of the eight in that comprise of Ashtanga and meditation is another. So it would be something, the asana or the movement of the practice would lead you into a place where you're comfortable to sit for a longer period of time. So I do feel that it would be uh, great if I had a little bit more moment in my day just to sit, sit a little bit more, be still. Definitely hard with uh, children, but um, if you can find ways to, even if it's only five minutes. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it kind of breathes, like... When you don't do much, it's really hard to kind of garner all the troops together and, and get out and exercise because 
it's just you just feel more lethargic. It's hard to find the time. But when you do start to just make that, that little bit of effort, it almost conspires to help you. You feel better about yourself. You find the time regardless of when that moment is. And then I think if you focus on a little bit and a little bit in practical application, it starts to lead you maybe to have a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Plus I think the benefit, if people in your life, particularly your partner and your children, start to realise how much better you are, and how much nicer you are to be around. <laughs> Essential. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe they find that the window is not a luxury, but it's a necessity. Yeah. So, and that's the big thing, isn't it? I mean, you're bargaining time with your partner. Everyone's in credit and debit, you know? Yeah. It's like the kind of like the, the, the invisible bank. And, um, and if your partner's sort of taking something out, then your credit sort of starts to increase. I think your yoga practice, hopefully, it could turn into something where it's not just giving you something back, but it's also building up something in their bank too. Yeah, definitely. I, I just interviewed, actually, it was uh, published on my blog today, um, an interview with Kiri White who talks all about how you have to give to yourself in order to give to others. Yes, I saw I saw that. I haven't listened to it yet, but I did see that and it looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She's really good. She's a firm believer in that, that women or everyone needs to take time out for themselves. Everyone has to. We're all getting busier. It seems to me, I find it at our yoga school that it it seems to be that people are working harder these days. They're working mm. longer hours. They're finding it really difficult. We, um, we open the school at 5.30 in the morning now wow. so that we can give people the chance to get in. And, um, and the last class is often at 9 o'clock. Or it's not at 9 o'clock at night. It finishes at 9 o'clock at night. Wow. But even still, people are, you know, hard-pressed to get there at 7.30. So some, something that I'm opening up now, which is, is important, we're looking at um, a class in the daytime for mums and things that, that, you know, once they've dropped off kids because it's difficult to get in in the early mornings and the nights. Yeah, definitely. You're sort of buying for that family time, for school activities, for rushing around, and, for you know, for, for men as well. It's, you know, and women that are working, you know, really long hours in the city. It's it's difficult. It is. Called, I like the idea. I think I did see on your website, is that called your inner circle class? That's my inner circle class, and it was originated through a, a friend of mine, and she inspired me. She just said, when can I learn to practice Ashtanga Yoga? Because I can't get out of the house in the morning. I'm getting my kids up, and I can't practice in the evening, and I've not done yoga before, so how do I get to actually even know how to do it? Right. And I'm like, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the 10 o'clock classes, there are Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're specifically designed for people that may not have the possibility of getting to those early morning or late night classes and they're guided and they happen during school terms so they're not on school holidays and I started off with my inner circle on my friends and um, it's spilled out now, it's a really popular class because I think the time slot really resonates with, with a lot of people that don't have that capacity early or late. And just so that our listeners know, where actually is your school located? We're located in Paddington in okay. Sydney, yep. and we're just behind the Verona Cinema, just down on Oxford Street, and the entrance is up the Verona Lane. You'll see a yoga sign, and you just come upstairs. Okay, great. And what other sort of courses do you offer at your school? You've got the Inner Circle class, and do you cater for all different levels of yoga? The inner Circle, yeah. The inner, inner Circle is for all levels. It can be experienced and also completely beginners. We have a focus on beginner courses, 
and we have those at three time slots. We do those in the, the mornings, Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Uh, and Monday and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m., just as a possibility of trying for those people that work late to, to have something that they can get to. Mm-hmm. And also Tuesday and Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. So those are, those are beginner courses. They're specifically focused on people that are new to either yoga itself or new to Ashtanga yoga and want to have a real focus on learning a foundation of, of the practice and how they could potentially have something that they could do even at home a little bit. Because mm-hmm. the Ashtanga practice is a self-practice, so you can actually do it a little bit at home in your own time or even when you travel. That's great. And the other workshop that we do, which is new, we do on Thursday nights, and that's a yoga appreciation study course. Mm. We do that for um, four modules, and that's for all uh, experiences. It focuses a little bit on not just the practice of Ashtanga yoga, but yoga in general, wow. in more of a kind of understanding of what the philosophy, all the things about yoga, not just on the mat, so all the off-the-mat stuff. It's great. Like You offer a wide variety of courses for people and also I saw in there if you want to let listeners know something about a Bali retreat. Oh, Bali retreat, come to Bali. (laughs) Come to Bali, Kaz. I love it. Look, I I take uh, two groups to Bali each year. We do one in June and we do one in September. And um, I've done those in the school holiday times, and this year I'm doing them during the school term as an opportunity of, of people that might have kids at school to get away oh, nice. before oh, the nice. school holiday starts. Yep, so you just, you know, build up all your energy just before you need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's, that's a six-day retreat. We go straight up to Ubud. It's in a pretty lushy, um, lushy space. It's overlooking a rainforest and, and a river. It really gets you back into a nurturing of your soul and spirit, and it combines great food. Oh, good. Yoga, yeah, yoga, meditation, some relaxation, and a little bit of talk about yoga philosophy, what is it and how to integrate it into your life. Sounds like the perfect getaway. It is fantastic. This will be my, I think, fifth or sixth time. And so I'm committed to keeping on going. It, it deepens everyone's experience, and a lot of people that have gone on it have come back several times. So wow. I, that's been a good sign. And that is that open to anyone or just students of your school? No, anybody, all experience levels. It's not a massive retreat. I usually have about um, sort of uh, I think I've got 14 rooms on both June and September. So it's it's more of an intimate um, an intimate group. But it's all experiences that can come from different practices. We focus on Ashtanga yoga, but if someone's practicing a different type and want an experience and, and to get away, then this is perfect. So you can you can do the other forms of yoga as well yourself. I won't. I only I only practice and, and teach Ashtanga yoga. Mm-hmm. But I would welcome someone that has another practice that's interested in looking at what the Ashtanga practice is and learning a little bit more about it. So why would you say the Ashtanga uh, practice would be better than other forms? I wouldn't. I totally wouldn't say that. I just that's the one that's resonated for me. Okay. Yep. I think it's important that that um, people embrace a practice that speaks to them okay. and that that rings true. So the thing that Ashtanga yoga um, resonated really well for me. Guruji used to always say that it is universal. Mm-hmm. Everyone can practice uh, Ashtanga yoga. He said the only ones that can't are um, 
you're dying to say that lazy people. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes feel pretty lazy and I'm still practicing. So I'm not quite sure. I, I might be the, the, <laughs> the enigma that kind of fits in that. But I think that the thing is with the Ashtanga practice and what he meant by universal, Ashtanga yoga is a method that we've talked about, but it also is a philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it was based on... Um, uh, teachings of what's called the Yoga Sutras of a teacher called Patanjali, uh, which was written or compiled actually about two and a half thousand years ago. And it talks about how to uh, calm and to relax the mind, the qualities of the mind, and how to move into a state of yoga. So the practice of Ashtanga Yoga is a specific technique, mm-hmm. but, but yoga is universal. And I, I think I like it particularly. I like the Ashtanga Yoga practice because... It is dynamic and it's challenging. So on days when I feel a little bit lethargic and a little bit can't be bothered, mm-hmm. it, it boosts my energy. It makes me feel a little bit more, um, a little bit more pranic, a bit more kind of sparkly, uh, and it cleans you out. I tend to find if I haven't practiced for a little while, my skin doesn't feel as good. I feel just not as quite, not as kind of as though things are moving around my body as efficiently as effectively. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a big advocate for the Ashtanga practice, but it's what I do, it's what I know. So I definitely wouldn't put it above other practices. I would just talk about its benefits. And so if, if you've not done yoga before, how can you find out which would be the best style for you? I think you need to do a bit of research and a bit of um, tasting. Suck it and see. Uh, I think that if you... If, if you want, uh, you can incorporate all of the possibilities within the Ashtanga practice because it does offer you that relaxation, the possibility to move into meditation as well as something um, moving. And you, when you start out, it may not be that. You might just need to do it a little bit slowly. Mm-hmm. Practice that Guruji used to always talk about, he used to say, one by one you come, one by one you come to this method. And what he meant by that, in my understanding, was that the practice needs to be um, adapted to the person. Right. So depending on where you're at, what stage of life you're at, that instead of trying to kind of bend yourself over backwards to fit yourself into the practice, that the practice will start to work for you. So I would look at it as a, as a first um, step. It tends to be, Shanga tends to be the forefather of a lot of other modern types of yoga. Like vinyasa, flow, dynamic, um, power yoga, often a lot of the Bikram poses are, are practiced on the sequence and style of Ashtanga. If you want maybe a more meditative, more relaxational, then the style is probably more of a Hatha-based mm-hmm. posture and alignment are focused on more specifically with an Iyengar. Gosh, there's so many different ways. It's, it's excellent to talk to you and get a better understanding of how you can find what's best for you. It's kind of just, it's going with what you connect with, I think, too, is really important. And something that you can do, so if there's something that's, that is, um, that you find a really great teacher, I think that's what's, that's what's really important. I mean, particularly for our school, that we focus very much on the quality of our teaching so that you have that ability to connect and understand the method, method as well as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Having the right teacher is always important in anything, really. Just want to touch base just from your original story talking about your journey into yoga and just different things you've said 
throughout. You keep talking about the little voice inside of you that spoke to you, and it's yes, I heard that. I resonated with what you said on your um, on your blog about something spoke to you. Yeah. I don't think enough people pay attention to that little voice or they shoo it away and don't quite understand it. So for you, do you, obviously that little voice is what helped you to get to where you are now and how can you explain to people what that is and how can they listen to it and why they should listen to it? It's really profound, isn't it? Um, Well, I think first of all it's having a space in in your life or making that space so that you can even listen to that. Because I think when we're really, really busy, we tend to push that voice away until it gets so loud that we might kind of almost be feeling like we're going to have a bit of a breakdown. I think that's almost what came to, to, to head for me. I was working really, really hard. I was quite young. And I just didn't feel like I was in doing what, what felt, felt like I should be doing and what was good for me. So having the ability to connect into Ashtanga Yoga so that I could move and then create a little bit of space where I was truly relaxed to listen to that voice, it's so powerful. We've all got it. And I think it's, it's quite good. What, what I usually do these days is if I'm pondering something, I tend to see if I can lie down really still and breathe really deeply for a period of time. It's often after I've done a practice, um, but if you don't have that ability, if you just lie down and breathe and close your eyes and just try to look at um, something that might be concerning you from two angles and two pathways, so one way being resulting in, in one direction and one resulting in something else and just follow that instinct, it really is your gut feel. It's what feels right for you and what makes you feel still. I think that was the biggest thing for me when I found the yoga practice. It was not what my mind would have advocated for me. It was not the path that was at all the easiest one to give up my job, to give up a lot of the money that I had at that time. It took a lot of resources to get myself overseas and to travel. Right. And um, But it, it, it felt... It was the path that made me feel really still within myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the voice, isn't it? That's yeah. When you have the time and you create the space, then that knowingness will come through. And I think when it comes through, and it's a feeling that's so powerful that it helps you overcome the fear that's associated yes. with having to take that risk yeah, I do. I think that the I think the world really, and I've found it in my my own life. It conspires to help you. It really does. When you find a path that that makes you feel really still and settled and centered within yourself, the world will conspire to help you in that direction. And it may feel like a cliche, but it really it that's been my understanding. That's been that's been what's shaped the biggest. Um, decisions in my life. I've had several that I've made over the years that I've used these tools to do and the tools I didn't know how to do them they weren't given, they were just something that kind of rose from within me and now I use more of my yoga to delve more into that but those those times in your life where you're really pondering something and, and a directional change that's quite big I think it's really important to take the time truly to listen to yourself because otherwise there's there's so much disease that, that results from an unsettled decision that didn't feel right in the first place. I think they're really worthwhile and valuable tips. I know I, on my blog I like to call it tapping into your mojo and making yeah. your mojo work for you. 
yeah. It's just about listening to yourself, as you said, finding that quiet space and trusting in yourself. I think we've been taught too often not to trust in ourselves. Yeah, absolutely, haven't we? We've been maybe sort of taught the, the things that don't, the ultimate things that don't necessarily make us happy. You know, the really simple things are related well on your blog to, you know, what, what really rings, what, what's really genuine for us, what's really true, what speaks to our heart and makes us feel really settled. And those are the things that you, that you can't buy that stuff. No. That's really, that's really genuine. And I think, um, as we get older and sort of more mature, and particularly with our kids, if we have the ability to teach that to that next generation coming through, I saw some of the things that you asked about um, about my children and practicing yoga with your children. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, giving them the skills that they have the ability in a safe environment to make choices and conscious choices and decisions for themselves that are going to uh, be true, that are going to empower them. Yeah, it is so important just letting them know. I know I often say to my daughter, you know how to do it. Um, you know, I want you to try first. Mummy's here in case you, you can't. But just to empower them and know that, you know, they hold the answer to everything, which most adults, it takes their whole life to re-remember that, that we have all the answers. I know, exactly. And at some point it comes to a head. You know, I think as you live your life and, and you're able to sit with yourself. A lot of the principles of yoga are about the two um, pillars that underpin um, Ashtanga as a philosophy are called yama and niyama, and they're kind of codes of, of living and, and codes of behaviour, how you treat yourself, mm. and they're universal. They're not necessarily just yogic. They're universal codes, and children really have have a lot of that. They have that in them in their being, and we do often put a um, uh, a lid on that and kind of move into something else for a period of time, and then come back to that often because it's what makes us feel. What make, makes our heart sing? What makes us truly happy and really at ease with ourselves, and therefore at ease with the world and the environment, and and definitely with our kids. Mm, very important. If we all could just find what our space is and live it, then you could imagine just what a peaceful world we would actually live in. I know. Let's, let's see if we can do that. I mean, I think we have the capacity, universally have the capacity, particularly with the range of kids that we're bringing through. You, know, you look at the kids around and they're amazing. They're truly amazing. They are. They know so much. They're, they have more knowledge and power. At their so much wisdom, don't they? They really do. They sit yeah. like little yogis. When you yeah. see them all sit... They're so upright and, you know, and then and then world and things, we sort of start to get just a little bit more slumped and a little bit more kind of stooped over. It is true. They're just natural little yogis. That's so true. I was actually just looking at my daughter yesterday or on the weekend and we were going for a walk and she was in front of me and I was just looking at her posture at how perfectly straight it was. I know. How cool is that? Yeah, I'm very <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I know. I look at my kids and I think they gravitate towards it. I, my oldest daughter, Charlie, she's she's five and we have quiet time in the evenings. We have um, Bodhi and Sky. Bodhi's nearly four. He's four next week, next Monday. Wow. And, uh, I know. And Sky is um, two and three quarters and we sort of put them to bed a little bit earlier and I have a bit of time with Charlie. And we, when I ask her what she wants to do often, you know, she'll want to practice, she'll want to do something. And her attention span isn't, you know, we'll just, I don't know, it might be five minutes or even less sometimes. 
because she's quite um, an energetic little person. But I think they do gravitate towards it. They really enjoy it. They love the connection between the environment and also animals, nature. Mm. They love those yoga poses that are associated with trees and um, birds and, and doing that kind of stuff I think really brings that natural groundedness to the world around us. Yeah, what a fantastic thing to start trying. I know on one of Kalira's High Five DVDs, there's a little section on there where the lady does yoga and Kalira loves doing it with her on the DVD. Yeah, how cool is I think they do. They, they know it. I think they know it intuitively because yoga is sort of based on that. There's nothing... It's, it's an intuitive kind of thing. It's not something to necessarily force upon yourself. It's something to kind of bring yourself into. And specifically, the, the definition of asana is skiram sukhamasanam, which means comfortable and stable. Mm-hmm. So it's almost about sort of finding something that is pretty comfortable and stable within yourself. And kids just have that. They're kind of naturally sort of grounded. Not all of them. And, and, and But often a lot of them when they're first, you know, when they're young, they do have that gravitation towards, towards breathing and to movement. They might not be able to sit still for very long. But, but I don't think they need to. No, no. Movement's really important too. It kind of makes me think that, you know, if, if some parents are having challenges with their children, maybe behaviour-wise, then yoga could be a good it's a really good option. They've done a lot of kind of work and stuff on kids and yoga and, and things and how that, that affects them, adults too, of course. But um, And you don't have to be too tricky about it. You know, I think just looking at shapes, mm-hmm. looking at animals, looking at sort of really drawing on things from nature and just deep breathing, even learning how to breathe. Like as adults, often through our whole day, our life is really spent with a very short, short breath. Yeah. It's not a lot of time to actually lengthen your breath and therefore have any opportunity to increase your energy, increase. And I think for, you know, tapping back into the tips for, for busy people that may not even have the chance to jump on a mat, just a couple of extra deep breaths each day. That's a really great start. That's feeding your body and feeding your soul. It's amazing how I, I've written a couple of posts sometimes about breath and how often we do forget to breathe. And, I mean, I know it's something that we're naturally always doing, but you just never take the time out, as you said, to just sit and breathe and, and let your breath help you relax and, and solve That's right. problems. Exactly, because it can. It can just give you that time. And I think if you concentrate your mind, this is a yogic, yogic device, of concentrating your mind on your breath, and if you start to look at um, a sound associated with the breath, if you breathe in and out through your nose, the breath kind of draws back through the throat. It makes a bit of a sound. And it can be that sound as a technique or a tip that you can actually use to concentrate your mind or even just watching each inhale and exhale as a meditative tool mm. just to get a little bit of time out so that you can be a little clearer and more concentrating if you do want to have that connection back with yourself. And it's something so simple, isn't it? It's simple. We've all got it. Yeah. We've got it. I know. It's, 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 we trick it up, you know. We trick it up and, and look at sort of ways of, of trying and, and, you know, looking at what is yoga. We've all got it. Yoga is universal. Ashtanga yoga, universal practice. I love that. And, and talking to you, I mean, I've always liked, loved yoga, but talking to you about this today has really helped me to see and understand 
just how much it does offer your whole self and how really important it is for everyone to be doing some form of it daily if they can. Uh, yeah, look, absolutely. I think, again, whatever they've got, over time it can be a daily practice. There's usually one day off that's um, that's given for rest. Uh, but, but apart from that, you just have that ability to connect in with yourself each day, little by little, little by little, one by one, one by one, Guruji said. Yeah, and the more you do that, the more you'll be able to hear that voice, which yeah, is going so to guide you on the right path. That's exactly right, Kaz. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really awesome, Fiona, and I know that so many of my readers and listeners are, are really interested in yoga and they're busy people. This is going to be so helpful for them to know how they can get started. Um, it's such a pleasure. Come to the school. Come and practice. Yeah, so just tell the listeners again how they can connect with you at your school or online. Absolutely. So I, I can be found at, so we're in Ashwanga Yoga Space and we're in Paddington, just behind the Verona Cinema. And they can um, connect um, with me online if they go to the website. It's ashtangayogaspace.com.au. And Ashtanga is spelled A-S-H-T-A-N-G-A. And my email is there. They can connect with me. They can book in a course. All of the beginner courses and details are online. And they can come to Bali. And they can also come and join my inner circle. Sounds great. The Bali one. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Come along, Cass. Come <laughs> along. It's got travel in there. You know I'm sold. <laughs> Look, it's such a beautiful – and Bali is so beautiful. You know, it's such a nurturing space. That's I've travelled around a lot. I've done a lot of travel as you, I think, my friend. And um, to be able to go somewhere where you – where you're away from the world, but you're only five hours away. So, yeah. you know, you don't have to travel for hours to get there. It's not too costly in terms of flights and things. And um, and you just get a little bit of somewhere that's away. And I think the Balinese too, they're spirit-based people. Yeah. There may be a lot of commercialism and stuff at the surface, but underneath that, there's a real heart and there's a real spirit. And it tends to really give you that soothing of your soul and just time out for a little bit of time. Yeah, it's very important. I think that's why Thailand for me, I, I, I love going to Thailand. I love Bali as well. It's been many years since I've been there. But Thailand yes. for me has that kind of that connection. Feeds, yeah, it feeds my soul, I think, quite a lot when I go there. Yeah, we need it, don't we? We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. And uh, I definitely crave it when I'm away from there, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we need to bring it. We need to bring little bits of it into our, our life. Yes, connect, connect as a community because I think the more that we connect with each other, particularly through things like your web, you know, your blog and and just this work that you're doing and and um, working with like-minded souls that have that connection and kind of hear that little voice, we can help in, inspire and bring that into everybody. And I think those that that do that, your inspirations and, and light for people all around you. That's. Thank you. I mean, that's really why I'm doing this. So it's great to be able to chat with someone who understands and and, and sees how important it is. Spread the word, Kaz. Right. Spread, the light. Spread the light. <laughs> one last thing, actually, before you go, Fiona, I believe there is a giveaway. There is. We would love some of your guys to, to come and experience the, the practice. So we're giving away, I think, a double, a double pass or two... Um, uh, beginner course um, beginner courses and uh, so what they need to do I think they'll go onto your website to, to look at that yes they will I'll have the details there on my um, website 
we would love to give those away. It's like a gift. I think being able to give the practice to someone, um, particularly someone that may not have the opportunity to, to, to take that up for themselves, that's what I want to do. It's really important. Yeah, fantastic. And thank you so much. I really appreciate that you're giving something to the community alongside all the wisdom that you've offered today. But um, It's why we do it. I mean, that's what inspired me to have the school. I've been running it for seven years and um, it's just so important. It's such a big part of my life. You know, I've got three children and to be able to share this practice, it means so much. It takes things away often from my family and my, my children. So it's a big juggling act. Uh, but the reason why I do it is I'm just so passionate and, and devoted to, to sharing the practice and to to just evolving, you know, myself and everyone around. Yeah, fantastic. You're doing a great, great job, great service to the world. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Kaz, and hopefully we'll talk again. Yes, definitely. Take care. Yes, you too, Fiona. Thanks a lot, Kaz. <laughs>